Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, Dean. Welcome to this week's Man of the Post Extra Time. I'm your host, Chris. Uh, with me this week, I've got Adam. How are you? Hello. I'm good, thank you. Good, how good. are you? I'm grand, thank you much. And I've got Scott. Hello. How are you? Uh, getting there. Uh, it's been a lo- tough last couple of weeks, but getting there. Good, man. you got a lockdown haircut. Yeah, I had it shaved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like being on a podcast with Charles Bronson, the prisoner. <laughs> the beard is... The beard You've is not tough. got a lockdown haircut, Chris, and the barbers are open now, so there's no yeah. excuse. I, um... I, was on, I was there on Monday. No. My wife gets not... my hair anyway. Are you waiting for it to be a little bit more safer, or you're just... Get your wife to do it. My wife always cuts my hair. I told you this before, haven't we? Haircut and bitty. No. And that's this week's Man on the Post exercise. <laughs> <laughs> right, we're going to talk about the Premier League this week. Uh, well, we're going to be talking about the games that are going to be happening this weekend, and we're talking about the games that happen on Thursday night. Uh, we're going to be talking about leagues that are happening in Europe. We're going to be talking about bit, other bits and bobs of news, and the Champions and Europa League draw. So, we're going to start off... Um, Last night, uh, Bournemouth nil, Spurs nil. Um, this is one of three games where the Premier League had come out and said that VAR has made a wrong decision. So if we go with that first of all. So Harry Kane, should he have had a penalty uh, with a push by Josh Kick? We're all nodding our heads on that one, are we? Yes, okay. definitely. Why didn't the referee give it or VAR give it, do you think? Because VAR has made referees worse. Oh, you think because it's made them lazy, do you think? I think that now referees are are, are are more reluctant to give those decisions because they or they know that VAR's there to back them up. But the burden of proof required from VAR for something to be a clear and obvious error is so great that you end up without the correct decision then being given. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, I agree with them on that one. But um, Jose says powerful people do not like to be criticised. I kind of thought, when I saw this, I thought he was talking about himself, to be honest. But it turns out he was, <laughs> he was talking about Michael Oliver, um, who was the, uh, the the VAR referee. Um, it was. Have, bit... you, have you seen, sorry to interrupt, have no, you seen the Skype, the Skype call he was on, which goes, he got disconnected from. He goes, Can you hear me? He went, No. Stormed off and threw his headphones down. Oh, really? Yeah. It was this like post match press conference. Post match Skype press conference on yeah, on Zoom, I think. They were shocking, weren't they? I don't think they is it they didn't have a shot on target. In what in the first half or the whole game? I the don't know. Game. I think it is, yeah. Yeah, they were they were really awful. I mean I saw the highlights from this. Um and I think Bournemouth are pretty unlucky. I think they had most of the first part of the play. Stanislas had a good shot. Uh, in the first half, and then of course they had that goal disallowed at the end, didn't they? The Callum Wilson one, which came off of Josh King's hand on the way oh, through to him. Um, so you're right, you're you are correct. They did not have a shot on target. Yeah, that must be pretty soul destroying if you're a Spurs fan. I mean, it's Bournemouth, isn't it? It's not like you're parking the bus against Real Madrid or something. Jersey out trending on Twitter two games in a row. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, it's it's. You've got the sort of people that defend him to the hilt, but then you've also got the people that say it's, it's literally word for word what happened at Manchester United. This isn't it? 
Yes, it's normally his third season, but he's already combined it into what? Six months. Six to eight months? <laughs> yeah. um, do you think he's peaked as a manager? I think his best days are miles, miles behind him now. Well, I mean, again, as uh, Adam listens to the same podcast I nick stuff from, but they were talking about the fact that Jose's special, I'm the special one press conference, is closer to Gaza's tears than it is now. So that was, you know, then through to 2010 is Jose's peak. 2010, when he won the treble with Inter Milan, that's a decade ago. Inter, yeah, that Inter team was so strong. To, I don't mean to be pedantic, but he said, he said, I'm a special one, not I'm the special one. Okay, right. You better make sure you are 100% on your game for the rest of this podcast. <laughs> I thought you were going to go, you better make sure I'm correct because I'm going to double check that. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. I'm going to I believe the exact quote is, I'm not one from the bottle, I am a special one. Okay, you make sure that every single thing you say for the rest of this podcast. <laughs> um, to, to, to Scott's point, I think it, it appears that. But what you say there is completely, completely true. I think that it, it does seem like his best football has has uh, gone beyond him. There's uh, Jonathan Wilson has made a, written a whole book about how not getting given the Barcelona job in 2008 turned him into some uh, some anti Corifian manager who was determined to destroy everything everything holy in football. While Guardiola was trying to build some sort of high art at that point, but. Um, I think that his his football is um, more defensive, more reactive, and I don't. I think he is. I think that he is closer to a manager like Sean Dyche than he is to a more um, Flair. Flair. I don't know what I'm trying to think of a young than he is to what maybe Mikel Arteta will be. Mm. I think that he is closer to being able to supposedly you think you think of Mourinho now as his skills being able to get teams organised and defensively solid but I don't think that he is a manager who teaches um, expansive patterns of play in the attacking third I think that he has got to a stage now where he is about building a team to not lose before it wins and then relying on the uh, the genius of of the the best attacking players he can get to just make something happen in the final third. And I also think that, and maybe this point that was on Football Weekly sort of rams this home more than I've ever imagined or been able to properly comprehend, is that he seems to have... He seems to have lost his way in sort of a man management style. Maybe not lost his way, but it seems that man management of a football, a football team now has left him behind and his methods are old and outdated and this isn't a way to to get through to young players. And I always thought that or oh, has I've always thought when people have said that before that does things really shift that, that quickly, the paradigms change that quickly. But now when you realise how long ago that actually was, maybe that makes a little bit more sense. You're talking about a whole generation of players having gone by in that time. But he's an incredibly intelligent man. He's a man that speaks multiple languages and has won pretty much every trophy he's been able to win. You th- sure, but, uh, but then, beyond, uh, Alex, beyond Alex Ferguson, how many managers <clears> have been able to... How many managers have ever really been able to to go beyond a, a sort of a period? Managers seem to have a... No, sorry. 
that was a very short shelf life. That wasn't what I was trying to say. I was just trying to get the fact that um, he's obviously a very intelligent human being. Where, so where does the willful destruction of um, someone like Tangan Dombele come from and Paul Pogba come from at Manchester United? And even if he did it at Manchester United, surely he would have learned from his mistake and not done it at Spurs. It just, it seems bizarre how he's relying or how he's using that sort of man management technique and not learning from it. But the problem is, if you've had one, and I think maybe Mourinho has had two or three examples where he's had players like this and he will have used some of these techniques and they will have worked. And when they haven't worked, you can just ship out the player that it doesn't work for. Um, I'm trying to think of players who got rid of at Chelsea who just didn't fit in, but Scott Parker, for example, someone like that perhaps, or uh, Wayne Bridge, some players like this. Um, but if you've been able to do this with a Deco and a and then John Terry and Frank Lampard and then all of the sort of the, the squad he had it into to be able to turn them into into have players essentially go out and be sort of warriors on the pitch for him. When you then go to Manchester, when you then go to Real Madrid and you pick on Ike Casillas and it doesn't work, you can tell yourself. Oh, that's Ike Casillas' fault. This normally works. And it's easy to explain away the reasons why each one doesn't work when you've already convinced yourself that your method is what you do. That it's worked. Hmm. It worked at it worked at Porter, it worked at Chelsea, <clears throat> it worked at Inter. Now it's Paul Pogba's fault when it doesn't work. And there's something there's and has got a serious a serious character for, character flaw it's not your methods not working with him it's him not working with your methods um scott um bournemouth anyhow says we're still in this fight they are three points off the 17th place they're home to leicester this weekend away to manchester city home to southampton and then away at everton um has he got a point or are they they down there is worse teams probably below them (laughs) Yeah, well, are the, I think the key is, are there worse teams above them? They're in the relegation zone. Uh, yeah, oh, sorry, that's me being not looking <laughs> at the table recently. Um, West Ham, could they be dragged in if Bournemouth try and get a result? Yeah. Somewhere, I. they're in the mix, but who else is going to get dragged in them with, with um, who? What, is it West Ham, Watford? So Bournemouth are on... 18th place on 28 points and then three points above them is Watford and West Ham you, you want better fixtures than that don't you I was going to say I mean of those uh, you would imagine Bournemouth need seven points really from the remaining few games three to catch up and then another four maybe to make them safe Safe. four do you think, I think I don't know I'm not sure they maybe need seven because do you, do you really could you, could you imagine a situation where Watford or West Ham don't win another game uh, they've only won. They only won two games in ten between them. I suppose so. so like, it's, <clears throat> so you six points. What, the question is, what, what are their fixtures? West Ham do you play Norwich on Saturday. That uh, could help. Well, is West, that Carrow Road? Because West Ham have been pretty diabolical recently. West Ham's remaining fixtures are away to Norwich. They play Watford. West Ham play each other. Yeah, that's that's so, next Friday. That's that. Uh, is that a good thing for Bournemouth or is that a bad thing for Bournemouth? Well, you would hope that they draw, wouldn't you? If one of the one team wins. Um, no, I think you'd rather one team wins, right? Yes, I, I, I suppose you are right. You'd yeah, rather, you'd rather you'd rather a team at this point. I don't know what the goal difference situation is like. What 
Let me get the table back up in front of me. All right, I'll read the fixtures out. So Norwich are uh, sorry, West Ham away at Norwich, then home to Watford, away at Manchester United, and then home to Aston Villa. Uh, Watford are. Uh, bear with me. They are. Um, Home to Newcastle tomorrow, then they've got the West Ham game. And ooh, right, okay. And then they are home to Manchester City and away to Arsenal. So Watford don't have the greatest fixture list either. No. Because West Ham say, winning two games. I would actually say if I was if I out of the two, I'd probably rather be Bournemouth than what have Bournemouth fixtures than Watford fixtures, right? So the Bournemouth ones are home to Leicester, away Man City, home Southampton, away Everton. So I I mean Leicester are sort of in free four at the moment. You'd rather you'd rather play you'd rather play Leicester, Everton, and Southampton than Arsenal and Man City and West Ham, yeah. Um. So Bournemouth's goal difference, their Bournemouth's goal difference is five worse to to Watford and eight worse to West Ham. So at the moment, as things look, they're going to need a, either some a big win and a big defeat for one of those, or they're going to need four points. Yeah, I would say you probably you probably don't want a draw. Yes, okay. I think for you, uh, yeah, one team stays on thirty-one, while another one maybe pulls out, and you take your chances of that remaining team in seventeenth. Yeah, okay, I see your point. It's, it's the big blow that Bournemouth lost a plethora of players due to their contract being expired. They've lost Frank Fraser, haven't they? Who's probably their key player? Mm. I, I don't know if any other teams are affected by that or not. I know. Burnley are. I think they lost a few players, but they're not in that mm. area of the table. Um, so how do you think they're going to get on against Leicester? So Leicester had a draw against Arsenal in week and they won last weekend. So they sort of steadied that ship a little bit. I've already said the word free fall once this podcast after many times last week. Um, so they're sort of arrested that at the moment. Um, I'm going to go for Leicester on that one, I think. Because they, they, I think they're still fighting for their lives in this Champions League place. Mm, it, this is a. Uh, oh, I'm glad you're going to say Filbert Street then, but that. Oh, ground stop. Is, That ground is long, long gone. That's a car park now. <laughs> <clears throat> so it's Le- Leicester at, de- at home. Mm. Yeah. No. Leicester. It's at Bournemouth, sorry. At Bournemouth. Uh, so it's at the Vitality. Yeah. Um, I still go with Leicester. Yeah. They've got Vard- something to fight fight for in the top four. And Vardy's found his knack of scoring again. Yeah. Well, he's yeah. got 100 now, hasn't he? He has. He scored last week. I mean, you could tell last week he was getting really knocked about the fact he wasn't scoring. And then when he finally got that one, he was a happy boy, wasn't he? Yeah. And also, um, they changed system and played two up top against Arsenal midweek, didn't they? So he's got someone up with him, if any Iheanacho. So yeah. it depends if Rogers wants to go gung-ho or he wants to go back to his tried and trust, trusted like 4-1-4-1 with someone like a Madison or and a Barnes just slightly off Vardy. Yeah. Um, and Spurs, oh, Spurs have got the North London derby. Um, they're going to be at home to Arsenal. So um, Arsenal got 10 points out of the last 12 available. And Spurs unbeaten Arsenal in this fixture since November 2017 when Harry Kane scored to give them a 1-0 victory. Um, yeah, Arsenal with 10 points out of the last 12. So they're turning round to be the team in form, aren't they? Yeah, they didn't start lockdown well, did they, after the Man City and Brighton game. Yeah. Was it back-to-back defeats? And they sort of picked up in the FA Cup game against Sheffield United and then they got wins. Uh, Southampton, Wolves, 
and then picked up. But was it the draw on Tuesday night? Yeah, that's right. The Wolves fixture yeah. was a big one to win because it's um, Wolves are a decent team to beat, aren't they? So that must have given them yeah. a lot of confidence. That will put um, that shocked me actually because I thought Wolves, who's actually been pretty good post lockdown, and I didn't see Arsenal getting a result there. But it looks seems that Arteta has turned the ship. Um, I think he's got the young guns playing well, hasn't he? So got back uh, with Saka is getting something out of Aubameyang Eddie Nketiah was a bit stupid midweek to pick up his red card wasn't he so so if he just gets the, the young guys with the, with the experienced players he's got something there yeah it's going to be a big miss isn't he um, Nketiah but Sako's on form isn't he um... yes yeah, Saka he's one of the the guys they're talking about for the England under 21s next season aren't they yeah uh, Adam, what do you reckon this is going to go like Arsenal Spurs? Well, the the form table will tell you that Arsenal are going to win this, right? Yeah. But I'm not. But I'm still not convinced that I trust Arsenal to to turn anything around, to pull anything out at any one point. I I wouldn't trust them with my life. Um, I just think I was thinking about this this game earlier on today, and I just what I think is quite funny about it is how. It's next season. Is the North London derby going to be largely irrelevant? In what way? Well, who are going to be the the? If if you, I think it's very. It, well, it's not early. It's nearly. It's July, so you can sit there and get excited about next season, not knowing when it will start. But the teams you're going to be excited about being at the the top end of the table. You're you've obviously got Liverpool and, and Man City, but. Manchester United are probably one of the best teams in the Premier League on current form right now. Chelsea are playing very well and are only going to get stronger in in the attacking options. Would they? Those are the four sort of exciting teams that I think that if you ask people to write down who they think we're going to be in the Champions League places next year, I, I don't think many people will be saying either Arsenal or Tottenham. And when was the last time that that would have been the case? Yeah, no, very much so. Um, right, we spent 18 minutes talking about this game, so let's move on. Everton won, Southampton won. Uh, Danny Ings and then Richarlison with a lovely finish after an even more lovely uh, Luca Digne cross. We were talking about this pre-record, weren't we, Scott? How would you describe it? I think you called it porn, didn't you? <laughs> I did, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Niche stuff there. Need, need, to, need to show Scott some other website. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, go on, you got a vested interest in this. What did you reckon to it, Adam? Um, it was more interesting than um, than Tottenham Everton, which is one of the worst 90 minutes I've ever <laughs> forced myself to experience. Um, Southampton were probably the better team and sort of controlled the game from. And if you were, apart from the fact that you that you could tell that it was good, and if you're going to ask. You wouldn't have said that Everton were the, the home team. However, again, this is a game where I think refereeing decisions have played a big part and Southampton have been incredibly lucky on two occasions. I thought it was very chivalrous of James Ward-Prowse to hit the crossbar on purpose, having... Uh... Robbie fowler asked, wasn't Yeah. <laughs> Robbie Fowler, though, did the, decent, did the uh, clever thing and made sure Seaman had to save the ball coming straight back into play rather than smash it on the crossbar <laughs> and into the Gladys Street end. Um, 
I mean, it wasn't a penalty, was it? He was sort of falling over. Yeah, and then I'm I'm even more angry at the non-award of the red card for the I've forgotten which player it was who fouled Richarlison. Didn't see that. That was on the highlights. So there was an instant where Richarlison was um, was one on one or coming through one on one with the goalkeeper, and a Southampton defender comes across and. Arguably, arguably plays the a sliding tackle up sort of from the side, across um, taking Richardson out in, on on sort of the D of the penalty box. Um, arguably, he maybe played the ball. One of those ones where feet were very close. Generally, quite hard to distinguish between whether he played the ball or not. Or not. You could maybe give him some benefit of the doubt in that regard, but in which case, it's not a foul. Lee Mason gives a foul. It's obviously not a penalty because that's not the penalty area. Richarlison would have been one through on goal, but for some reason booked him. Uh, VAR, inter- VAR interjected and decided that was fine. <laughs> um, just baffling to me, baffling. You only had 39% possession. Does that bother you for playing at home against a mid-table team? Um... In the long haul, I think maybe that would would concern me over a while. But um, playing at home isn't the same as playing at home, right? So uh, right now, you don't have that sort of pressure of the crowd. There isn't the expectation you can play whatever type of football you want because you don't have to meet the um, the expectations of a a home crowd um, sort of egging you on. Southampton again are a team who have been one of the better better teams since the, the restart and have been playing quite good football. We, Everton's football hasn't actually been that good since we came back. We've got, got good results and our form looks okay, but we, have, we haven't been playing exciting football. It's been very um, tactically disciplined and maybe a bit reactive, but it has got results. It, I'd like to think that that is something that Ancelotti will evolve and he's doing the best with the players he's got at the moment. This is kind of a free hit, right? This little bit of per- this period now. So it doesn't bother me now. But if you ask me, if if we were sat here in nine months' time and we were playing Southampton and that happened, I'd maybe be a little bit more concerned. Maybe it depends if we won. The result changes everything, doesn't it? I suppose so. Yeah. Scott, um, Richarlison scored his 13th Premier League goal. He's only the fifth Brazilian to get that many. Can you name the other four? You're... So, we are talking. Did, did Robinho score 30 Premier League goals? No, we're talking very recently for all of them. So you don't have to think back to Janini or anything. Uh, Gabriel Jesus might have scored 30 by now. He scored 38. I'm trying to think of Brazilian strikers that played in the Premier League. I want to say Joe, but that's probably the worst show ever. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, two is still here and one isn't. Um, Roberto Firmino. Yeah, yeah I was gonna say Roberto See, he's got 56, Firmino. he's got the most. Can I have a clue? Uh, no, I don't want a clue yet. <laughs> no, you can't have a clue. <laughs> one still in the Premier League, one isn't. Uh, 
this is great podcasting, just dead air. Um, <laughs> there are people screaming at their yeah, I'll edit this out. Just, when you hear it back on the edit, it's just going to be four answers. <laughs> ping, ping, on. ping, ping, ping. Um, Alano? No. Alfonso Alves? But that's probably. No, more recent than that. Alfonso Alves. Scott, can you please just pick players who famously scored goals as opposed to players who didn't? <laughs> oh my god, this is so bad. Brilliant. Huh? William. William, yes. 37 yeah. goals. you got one more. This is the one who's not in the Premier League. Not no. in the Premier League anymore. Where is he but playing? Still playing, still playing football. Still playing top-class football in Germany. Emma's not his biggest fan. Philippe Coutinho. Philippe Coutinho, 41. Yeah, trying to think... <laughs> And while we're in the... I think, I think Emma might argue that he's not playing top-class football. <laughs> yeah. Or it's not a top-class footballer. No, OK. All right. Well, while we're on in the quiz mood, Danny Ings scored 19 Premier League goals um, so far this season. Only two Premier League players... Or only two Southampton players have broken the 20-goal barrier. Letitia's got to be one. Yeah. And James Beattie's the other. Well done. There you go. No need to edit that one. Uh, next up, Everton are away at Wolves. who have lost their last two. Um, this finished 3-2 to Everton at Goodison earlier on this season. Um, Wolves are losing their last two. Adam, you must be... They're still a very good team, aren't they? Despite how they've been playing. Yeah, and they sh- should be keeping their wits about them, right? Because maybe maybe Leicester are just too... They've... These two games have killed them in that sort of that hope for a Champions League spot, haven't they? Yeah, currently six points off of fifth place Manchester United, depending on what we hear on Monday at Cass and Manchester yeah. City. Yeah, so e- even though I think that it's like that will probably be Leicester's spot, because the thing is Manchester United will catch and surpass Leicester. Mm. I can't see them making up those seven points to to Leicester. Um, so, yeah, that, th- those two losses are going to be disappointing for them. In that regard, could could we could we be could we be facing a Wolves team who are now on the beach? Ooh, I don't know. Maybe they keep not, in a pack. Not that they were. They, I'm just saying that no. they might have, they might have packed up mentally from them. Now they've still you, got the Europa League, haven't they? Do you think maybe they're going to keep their power dry for that? Perhaps they've got a very exciting draw in the Europa League. I think that that would if if I was if I was Nuno, that would be the, my focus now. Yeah. Um, um, but at the same time, they don't have to. They don't have to uh, squat, rotate and for because the games aren't intertwined, are they? They just have to prepare them. They have, just have to make sure that they get through unscathed injuries with as many players sort of fit and ready to go for that sort of knockout tournament. Well, sort of mini tournament that the. UEFA competitions are going to be. Yeah. Southampton away at Manchester United next. Um, the last five games between these two have been pretty tight. So there have been three draws and Manchester United have won 3-2 and 1-0. So um, they've been fairly sort of close. Uh, Saints have got seven at the last nine points and Manchester United uh, have won their last four. I'm still going to go United, I think. I think it's odds on, isn't it? I, I think know. so. Yeah, because Man United have just been sensational in the last couple of weeks. But uh, 
I don't want to know if they've peaked too soon. Well, they had <laughs> That's that win. That's my only worry. They had that win against Villa, didn't they, last night or Thursday night, which was um, the Fernandez penalty, Mason Greenwood and Paul Pogba. Um, are we? Suge- they, sorry, sorry. Couldn't they arguably play Roma in the Europa League? I'm sure it's not a worry for you that they've peaked too soon. What Manchester United or Wolves? I think they can. Man United, Both, face, right? Yeah, Wolves is the quarterfinal tie if Roma get past Sevilla and uh, Wolves get past Olympiacos, and yeah, could play Manchester United in the Chris Smalling derby <laughs> in, in the semi-final. He could play, couldn't he? I think because I think in Europe it doesn't matter. No, there's they've agreed the loan for him to play in Serie A, but not in Europa, but. There is a, a rumour floating around on Italy that there, a deal has been agreed. Oh, OK. You're million. right, Chris, that normally they would be able to, but if you think that all of the loan deals expired at the 30th of June, so they've extended okay. Smalling's deal to the end of this Serie A season, but not into August. It's the same with Alexis Sanchez at Inter Milan. Um, I can't think of it. Brilliant I Fernandez, isn't Manchester, it? I would also go for, for Manchester United to win this because um, I think, granted, I've obviously not watched. I, I would would. There's not a team I would rather watch play football than Manchester United right now. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you watch them the other day with um, Bruno Fernandez and his penalty against Aston Villa? Saw, I saw them Saturday because I was waiting for the Turin derby to start. They played pretty well in that game. I didn't watch the game last night. I did. You want to talk about Bruno Fernandez's penalty? So I, yes. yeah. I will answer your question and say yes, yes, I did. Okay. Did you think it was a penalty? Stop, stop shaking not. his head, listeners, in this audio podcast. No. You're no, saying probably it, not. Okay. You're no, saying definitely. It, um, he turned. He tried to do a roulette, didn't he? Mm. Tried a bit, yeah. of, bit of skill. And his foot went down on the Aston Villa player and he went over in his momentum. I thought a free kick should have been given the other way and potentially a yellow card. If it went to VAR, it could have been a red card for dangerous play. I don't think that... I think that the... I don't agree with that. I think that the the slow motions and the stills make it look like... I actually think that the Aston Villa player is putting his leg in there to try and tackle... um, Fernandez, and that's what makes it. That's when you, you can argue that it is a penalty. Um, I don't think that it's. A, I don't think Bruno Fernandez is stamped on him as it looks like when you see the stills. I had to watch it about three or four times before I could make up my mind that it wasn't a penalty. So I mean, I can understand why the referee on the spot did give it. That's why. I, that's why the the pause. I think that. I think in my heart, if that was given. Against Everton, I'd be very unhappy about that. Yeah. So that probably tells me it isn't a penalty. But like you say, I can see the argument. And probably the other way around, at the other end, I'd be quite annoyed if we didn't get a penalty for it. So. Yeah. A bit of both. Born contradiction, right? (laughs) Uh, Well, Villa had hit the post before that. Um, I think Trezeguet hit the post. And then um, I think once they got that goal, it was. Fairly processional stuff, wasn't it, for United? Pretty much. Um, the second hey, well, goal all around was probably the goal of the week for me. The well, Greenwood. The Mason Greenwood, Mason Greenwood goal. Greenwood yes. goal, yeah. Yeah. 
He absolutely thumps the football. He kind of reminds you, um, when Tom Huddleston was in the Premier League, he could absolutely smash a ball as well he from can. distance. Yeah. I I... It's sort of damning him with faint praise comparing him to Tom Huddleston. But, I mean, you know, <laughs> he... Um, it, it's sort of the, the way he strikes the football, it, it sort of reminds me of that because he could absolutely leather it as well. Clean hit him. Yeah. This might, this might sound a little bit stupid considering how much he's maybe been talked about the last uh, week or so, but is Mason Greenwood maybe one of the, the rarest things of all in a, a really good underrated English player? I think the next few months are going to be crucial to him was whether he turns out to be Marcus Rashford or Federico Makeda. Yeah. Uh, I think he's beyond, he's way beyond the Makeda style. Yeah. He's got 15 Premier League goals this season. Yeah, but you want that to be consistent as well. You don't want that to be one season and then you'd really want him to push on. Well, not push on, but you want him to maintain this, don't you? Yeah. Do you want to see this as like a launching pad for yeah. his future? understandable because if the rumours are true United are going to splash the cash on Sancho but he's how old is he 18? I think so something like that I'd love to know how many Premier League goals and I'd love to know what the output sorry of Wayne Rooney at 18 so when did he is it 16 he sort of broke through wasn't it? so he joined Manchester United at 18 18-19 yeah so what, so we're talking about Wayne Rooney's first season at Manchester United. Yeah, let's have a look. Wayne Rooney. Let's have a look, listeners. So here we go. Statistics in the Premier League for Wayne Rooney. Eleven Premier League goals. Oh, okay. Three three goals in the Champions League, all in one game. Oh, that was his debut, wasn't it? His debut against Fenerbahce. Yeah. So in his in his first season at I think what would have been his eight maybe eighteen nineteen year old season he scored seventeen goals for Manchester United we don't I don't hear have the numbers for assists but I'm, I'm just I point of, I only say that as a point of reference because we all know sort of how uh, Rooney was being spoken of at that point mm-hmm. no he was absolutely sort of. Not hyped, but he was being spoken about in the most glowingest of terms, wasn't he? Exactly. Yeah. Um, Aston Villa next are at home to Crystal Palace. Aston Villa are four points from safety, but uh, Palace have lost their last four, conceding 11. They really need a victory in this, don't they, to have any... I mean, are they, you're making a face like you think they've gone. Yeah, oh, sorry, I thought you were saying... For a second, I thought you were saying that Palace really needed a victory. Sorry, no, Villa, uh, sorry. Villa really need yeah. a win to... But go back to that base. Yeah, they're gone. Yeah, they're they're done. They're cooked. Okay. You both. How do you both feel about Villa getting relegated? Meh. Yeah, meh. So I'd like to make a correction, Chris, that you should have picked me up on, considering how you were going to be all over my my facts. Mason Greenwood hasn't scored 15 Premier League goals. Mm. He'd scored 15 goals in all competitions, which is now 16. So he's only one off Wayne Rooney in all competitions in his. Season at the comparative age. Well, since I'm picking you up on things, I'm talking to a man who's just opened a bottle of beer and poured it into a glass rather in his own home rather than drinking it from the bottle. It's not beer, it's cider. Same thing. Well, it's a, it's a big glass and there's ice in the glass. You've changed since you moved to London. <laughs> from Hampshire as well. That's like sort of cider country, isn't it? Oh, no, don't you dare. 
It's all up north. Right. We're going to come back to Premier League, the remaining sort of Premier League fixtures in a few minutes. We're just going to go through some of the other stuff now. So, um, bits and bobs of the league. So, this weekend uh, in Spain, Real Madrid are top on 77 points, a point ahead of Barcelona. Um, although they've got a game in hand of Real Madrid. So, I think Emma's kind of given up on this. Um, and Real Madrid playing uh, Daniel Alaves this weekend. Barcelona are away at Valladolid. Um, and... Monday night sees Real Madrid with a game in hand where they're uh, away to Granada. So they're doing all right, Madrid, aren't they? I mean, I saw Barcelona the other day when they beat Espanyol 1-0. Um, Luis Suarez saw a rather wonderful goal, but they were all possession, no penetration. I haven't watched very much of a, of a Barcelona since the, um, the replay. I have watched a bit more of Real Madrid, and I'd like Real Madrid to do anything exciting. Because <laughs> they sure as shit haven't done it yet. Neither Barcelona. Um, if I was a Man, if I was a Man City fan, I would not be concerned. I would not be concerned, despite how prolific their form has been at the moment. <sighs> yeah, they've not been overly exciting, but I think they've got more exciting players than Barcelona. So much since the return of lockdown, I've seen in Barcelona is when they're halfway inside their opponent's half, and then it's Sergio Roberto to Busquets to Rakitic. Back to Sergio Roberto, back to Rakitic, back to PK on the halfway line, spread it out wide, back to PK. There's just no overlapping and very little penetration with their sort of passing style. They should give it to this kid called Messi. I hear he's quite good. Yeah, he's not so bad. Uh, Ricky Pudge didn't play. Um, and he didn't even come on the pitch, actually. Uh, They've also just spent 60 odd million euros on a sideways passing midfielder to add to their roster next season, haven't they? <laughs> yeah, who is no spring chicken himself. No. So the age problem isn't going to get solved, is it? Um, yeah, I is don't... That act, is that act sharp enough, Scott? Once a snake, always a snake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see... I can't see Real Madrid losing this title, but I can sort of see what you're saying about Manchester City in the Premier League as well. Um... It was good fun, actually, because there was two red cards in this within a space of about two minutes. Ansu Fati came on, got um, uh, as a half-time sub and was sent off after 49 minutes. It was superb. <laughs> um, and Getafe, he's got Getafe, lost 3-1 to uh, Villarreal on Wednesday night, I think it was. Uh, a game which saw three red cards after the game had finished. So you can imagine how that one might have ended. Um, into Italy. So Juventus top on 75 points, then Lazio 68, two points ahead of Atalanta, um, who are themselves one ahead of Inter on 65 points. So this weekend, it's Juve, Atalanta, Scott. Uh, Atalanta, Juve. Atalanta, Juve, Scott. <laughs> it is, yes. <laughs> uh, if Atalanta win this, I think they're in real serious contenders for the title. If Juve uh, slip up, which they did on Tuesday night. Uh, yes, we'll talk about that, shall we? That was the game against Milan, because they took a 2-0 lead, didn't they? And I turned over thinking, well, this will be a bit pedestrian. Thankfully. Yeah, well, you, yeah I messaged you going, what are you doing? Turn back over. <laughs> well, I, I, I just had Slatan scored. <laughs> I turned over to start watching Rick and Morty. Um, but thankfully, you uh, you taught me into turning back again. Um, that was a hell of a turnaround. That was three goals in nine minutes, wasn't it? Yeah, so the first half was very, very cagey. Yeah. Milan were very hard to break down and then the second half Ajahn Rabio just scores this wonder goal that was and amazing left, wasn't it he left Teo Hernandez for dead on the halfway line 
like high up on the left wing role, and it was just, and then Ronaldo scored, and then Juve just capitulated with very bad defensive mistakes for all four of the goals. Oh, so, sorry, question. So just as you said that, I was thinking, no, there's no. I think that's ridiculous. There's no way that you can think that Juventus would blow a not what is currently a nine-point lead over Atlanta. But who? I suppose they're playing. They're over, playing each other. Sorry, over who? Atalanta, Atalanta, not Atlanta. God, that felt good. <laughs> <laughs> you deserve that. <laughs> you do. I'm. I'm not even going to edit that bit out. You deserve that. Um, but I've just realised that they've got seven games left. How are they going to get those done by the time that you're the the um? The UEFA games have to be played. So they play Wednesday. They play a game this weekend. It'll be Saturday. So and Sunday. One, two, three, four, five, six. So are they playing every weekend, every midweek until the until the beginning of August? Pretty much, yeah. That's mental. They've condensed eleven. I think it's eleven or twelve games in six and a half weeks. Um, what else have we got? So Lazio lost their last two, haven't we? They lost to um, uh, AC Milan and Lazio. Uh, Lazio, wasn't it? Lazio. Lazio. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh no! I just got rewarded myself for one of these as well. <laughs> I'm gonna put the lid back on. <laughs> and uh, what happened in stoppage time in the Lecce Lazio game? Yeah, Patrick. Um, who did he bite? It, of um... Julio Donati. Yeah, that was bizarre, wasn't it? It was, and as pathetic as the Serie A administrators are, €10,000 fine and a four-game ban. Oh, he only bit him. He didn't break his leg or anything, did he? And how much did Luis Suarez get for biting Ivanovic? Eight. Nine games. Eight games? Nine games? Yeah. I can't remember. He only bit him. He didn't break his leg, did he? You could break someone's leg and they could be out for a year and you get a three-match ban. He's bit someone, you get... Four games? Come on. The only yeah, bitter in the arm. Also, you can break someone's leg trying to play football. Yeah. The accident. And you can't bite someone. <laughs> As you go in for a 50-50. Biting someone is just... It's freak... I mean, it's not great. It's freakishly weird rather than... Um, rather than sort of dangerous play. But you'll do mm. less damage. I mean, if you go in and recklessly break someone's leg, then you'll only get a three-game ban if, you're, if you get sent off. And Luis Suarez has done it three times. And Luis, yeah, exactly. Um, Chris is going to be like, I'd rather someone spat on me than ever break. <laughs> yeah. Is that pre-COVID <laughs> or post-COVID? <laughs> well, yeah, I suppose. Um, also in midweek, uh, Verona drew 2-2 with Inter. In, were Verona 2-0 up in that game? No, 1-0 up and 2-1 down. Uh, Inter have free-fallen. They've been so sloppy. Yeah. They can go beat Brescia 6-0 six, six and then... Uh, draw to Sassuolo and then draw away at Verona. Sassuolo are no mugs, are they? No, Sassuolo are like turning into a mini Atalanta at the moment. Yeah. Just scoring goals for fun. How's Locatelli doing? He's doing pretty well. Um, if Roma lost Wednesday night, I think I would have come on with a with a massive run. It would have been went <laughs> on for about five minutes. But they won 2-1 and played pretty well. Good. 
Um, well, yeah, like I say, it's Atalanta versus Juve. Uh, Lazio playing Sassuolo, uh, Inter playing Torino. Um, also, can I just add, yeah. Napoli-Milan Sunday night. Oh, yes, it is, yes. Two games if to watch in Serie A this weekend are the, the Saturday night and the Sunday night games. Well, Napoli... Well, why, would you, why would anyone be excited about AC Milan anymore? No, they should be excited about Napoli because they've been one of the in, informed sides in Serie A since restart. I think... Um, they've won the Coppa Italia. I think Napoli... I think... Um... Milan are an interesting team, aren't they? Because obviously they're a team you would expect to be so high up, but they're not. Um, and Napoli are having an iffy season. I think it's a chance for two teams to try and prove something. And who doesn't, who doesn't want to watch Ibra play? Cristiano Ronaldo, probably. I'd say <laughs> oh, he did a bit of that to him the other day, didn't he? Um, they were having words, weren't they? They were, but who was the winner? Yeah, exactly. Well, who's top of the table? I suppose you could also say. But... True. But <laughs> I would say, you know, you said Napoli did have an iffy start, but since December, since they sacked Ancelotti, who was quite one-dimensional with them, yeah, uh, kept playing like four-four-two, and playing players out of position. For like some games, he's playing Dries Mertens and Insignia for, and they're five foot five, five foot six, six, and playing long, aimless balls to them. But since Catusa's come in. He's had like a settled plan, a settled system, play 4-3-3, quite hard to break down, quite good in attack. They've played some really good attractive football and I think they'll give Barcelona a run-in in their second leg. And they're going to give probably Roma and Roma a push for the top five spot. Okay. Uh, right, other things this week have been uh, MLS is back. So Orlando beat into Miami um, 2-1. Is it too early to say that that's a, a local derby? Into Miami. Well, into, I mean, they're both from Florida, but into quite a new team, aren't they, I suppose? I'll let you have it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> At least they're in the same country. <laughs> yeah. A goal like Wellington and Brisbane. No, it's Wellington and Perth, El Distanso. Um, a, a nanny with a goal and an assist in this game. I think his, his winner was in like the 96th minute, wasn't it? It was during 10 minutes of added time as well. I saw flicking through Sky Ratio yeah. the game yesterday and I saw a little bit when the cricket finished and it was during 10 minutes of added time. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of players scoring and then running to the side of the pitch and shouting fuck off at the top of their voices in an empty stadium that gets picked up on the mic. <laughs> uh New England Revolution beat Montreal 1-0. And finally, uh, New York City beat uh, lost sorry 1-0 to Philadelphia Union. Um, before the game, uh, all players took the knee for 8 minutes and 46 seconds, which was the length of time that the policeman let on George Floyd's knee. And the names on the back of the Philadelphia players' shirts, did anybody see this? Yeah, that's pretty good what they did. Yeah, so this was the names on the back of the Philadelphia Union players' shirts were names of uh, victims of um, people who've been shot by the police or killed by the police. So Brio Taylor was on there and people like that were on there as well. Um, this weekend is Atlanta versus... Oh, I did it. Atlanta. <laughs> Two God, one had damn it. Uh, it's Atlanta versus New York Rebels. LAFC versus Who's Houston. They're probably... Southampton? I said At- Atlanta versus New York Red Bulls. And LA... I did not say Southampton. I said Houston. We've also got a problem. Uh, um... I do. Sorry, I do like. There's another ten past two kickoff UK time, which is what ten past nine 
in the morning in Orlando. Yeah, it's gotta get game. stuff done. I know. <laughs> it's just fun. it was a bit strange that was a game kicking off at that time on Thursday. It's about thirty-five degrees and thunderstorms. So you can sort of see why they're doing it. It's yeah, but also, sorry, which, which teams are playing in that that game, Scott? Because if that's nine thirty in local time, that's what's it's five six in the morning if you're a west coast team <laughs> true yeah um so it was was it philadelphia union versus uh new york myfc that was thursday and is it uh there's a game sunday chris is it toronto Let's have a look. they were all Tor- yeah they were all kind of east coast teams or, uh, or the well, eastern standard time teams i suppose <laughs> that we played earlier on this week um, Dallas didn't turn up, did they? Because, or they did go, but then lots of their players tested positive for coronavirus. Um, mad teams from I, Texas. I, I am shocked that people in people in <laughs> Texas are currently testing positive for coronavirus. Yeah. Some other I've seen. <laughs> shocked, I tell you. Yeah, exactly. Um, elsewhere in Denmark, uh, Midtjylland are champions. They won their third title this week, and this weekend it's the Copenhagen derby as Bromby play uh, FC Copenhagen. Um, bits and bobs of news. So all ten teams in the champion in the well, all ten all team the teams in the top ten of the championship all play each other this weekend is what I'm trying say to that, say. Say that three times fast. I, I barely studied it once. <laughs> I'm gonna struggle for three times fast. But yes, the, uh, you know, this time Sunday night the championship could look a whole lot uh, different depending on how results go. Um, Champions League draw has been made, so I'll read that without with as much success as they did the previous story because there's lots of either-or scenarios here. So, uh, first quarter final is Real Madrid or Manchester City versus Lyon or Juve. Um, second one is uh, Leipzig versus Atleti. Uh, third one is either Napoli or Barcelona versus Chelsea or Bayern. And finally, it's Atlanta versus PSG. Um, someone on Twitter today said could be it said um, PSG on for their first final. When I said you've got a very tough quarter final to come. I mean, that's no easy team, is it? I think people might be underrating um, Atlanta, don't you? Uh, I think so. CBS Soccer tweeted out a very stupid video where the the American guy who was talking about it said that they've had uh, Atalanta have had not been in good form recently. They've won like seven in a row pre uh, coming out of lockdown and like one of the best sides in Europe at the moment. Can we just agree? Can we just agree to call them Atalanta now because it's getting difficult? <laughs> yeah, Atalanta. <laughs> And the, the guy said, oh, Leipzig will do well because they've got an American in their team called Tyler Adams. And I just thought, there is other players in their team that would do well. No, I agree. PSG haven't played football since March. Yeah, exactly. That's a big and thing. they've got it? two finals to play in the end of July. Is it both cup finals? Yeah. And they've can play no, hardly no competitive football for three months where Atalanta have been playing football for about three, four weeks. And but the, we'll the counter to that, Scott, is, as we just said, they're about to play seven games in three yeah. weeks. That's why squad rotation's key. Would you rather be Would you rather be the team that have had all this time to <clears> work <throat> and be tactically drilled, prepared for one game, and fresh but rusty, or would you rather be the team that might be dead on their legs? This is PSG we're talking about, isn't it? Oh, the, the ability to bottle it is still well and truly <laughs> there. We don't need to talk. We don't need to say it. It's, it doesn't need to be said out loud. I thought that, but Atlanta got the home leg first. 
there's one. There's no home legs. There's just one. Oh, it's in Lisbon, knockout. isn't it? Yes, yes, of course. Sorry. It's a straight knockout tie. Yes, I know that's very true. The other thing to take about that as well is um, in the semi-final, quarter-final one will play quarter-final three. So um, by the time we get there, that will be either sort of Real Madrid, Manchester City, Juventus, Barcelona, or Bayern Munich or Chelsea. Uh, will you know many of those will not be getting to the Chelsea final. Out. Okay, Chelsea fine, yeah. You can um, rule Chelsea out, but maybe not Napoli, because they could get some in the camp now. Only one of those teams will get to the final, so there's going to be yeah. a few um, big teams that sort of drop out before they get to the final. Spoiler alert, Chris, every year only two two of the teams get to the final. Yes, but it's usually two of the same teams, isn't it? Well, you know, you can... I think last night, last, last year was being an exception, but it's normally sort of Real Madrid... Barcelona is normally a giant of some sort, isn't it? Um, it's open one half of the draw is now, isn't it? With Leipzig, uh, Atleti, Atalanta and PSG. Having said that, we could just end up with another Madrid derby in the final. It's... No, <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, if, 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 we, if I've sat here looking at this fixture list, got really excited over all this European... Champions League football in the month of August, and then and then I end up with that <laughs> for the third time in six years. Just I'm I'm already trying to mentally prepare myself for how much in the month of August I'm going to have to see Jake Humphrey's smug face and listen to Steve McManaman. I don't need that on my plate as well. Yeah, and Mike and Michael Owen and Robbie Savage. It's one one. 117 minutes of uh, being played in the final of absolutely nothing. However. If Sergio Ramos was led to do something brilliant, <laughs> I, I might forgive them. He scored 10 goals this season. He takes penalties. Penalties, and he always penenkers them. He doesn't always penenker them, because otherwise the goalkeeper would stand there and catch them. <laughs> It'd be quite easy most, to figure out. <laughs> most of the time he does. Are there many things in football better than a failed penenker? Yes, I saw Totti do it once against Lecce. <laughs> Good guy like this. He's caught the ball. I remember Jan did it for um, Leicester yes. in the playoff semi-final against Cardiff. At Cardiff, yeah, in 2010. Jesus. What was... about Thierry Henry's failed penalty where he didn't even really get it that far <laughs> off the spot? Oh, the one where... Robert, to... Robert Pires. Pires. Where he tried to do the Cruyff touch to Robert Pires, yeah. Why yet yeah, you'd ever make a penalty? The, the, the easiest thing in football <laughs> Any harder than it needed to be. The best part of that was Danny Mills' reaction. (laughs) Danny Mills is just an angry gammon head, isn't he? Um, Right, Europa League draw has also been made as well. So, uh, there's a lot of either-ors in this, so bear with me. So, either Wolfsburg or Shakhtar Donetsk will play Eintracht Frankfurt or Basel. Um, Either Lask or Manchester United will play uh, Istanbul, Besiktas or uh, Copenhagen. Either Inter or Getafe will play uh, Rangers or Bayer Leverkusen. And then either Olympiacos or Wolves will play Sevilla Roma. That would be a good tie, that last one, doesn't it? Whoever makes it through. Yeah, that would be tasty. That'd I think you can good. categorically put Manchester United through as they're 5-0 up from the first leg. Uh, yes, there's a possibility, of course, that Wolves and Manchester United could meet in the semi-final. Are you saying that with a smile on your face? No, I'm saying because it's an all-English tie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry, you, you guys are there as well. <laughs> um, it could happen. Anything could happen in that crazy month of football in August. Yeah. And they've got the Tour de France in August as well, haven't we? End of August. End of August. 
It'll be done by the time the Champions League will be finished by the time the Tour de France starts. And then they've got like a week off, and then the Premier League season starts again. Or something. <laughs> Do we have a start to the Premier League season already? I don't think we have, have we? No, there's rumours flying around that the Football League will start in mid-September. Scotland has said they're going to start on the 1st of August. Yeah. But they play more games, don't they? So, Of course, they want to finish in a decent time for the Euros next year as well. I'm glad I'm not a scheduler at UEFA. It must be just a horrendous job at the moment. I know that France have released their fixtures for their new season. That starts, I think it's the third week of August. Okay. Same with the Bundesliga. As, well. as soon as PSG get knocked, they, they're just waiting on PSG to get knocked out of the Champions <laughs> by Atalanta. Yeah. Uh, other bits of bobs of news. Uh, League Two, Scott. Who ever heard about League Two? You don't need to worry about that anymore, do you? No, League One. That's where it is. Yeah. Barrow FC. They got a new manager. Have you seen that? Uh, yes, David Dunn. David Dunn. Ian Everett's gone to Bolton. Yeah. He of the failed Rabona. Um, David Dunn. David Dunn. Yeah. Um. Eric Dyer has been given a four-game ban, hasn't he, for climbing into the crowd and uh, trying to give what for to a uh, fan? You've got a thumbs down for that. Why have you got a thumbs down for that? We talked about this as the news broke, that sort of this is the classic example of the FA's inability to, um, to, to use any sort of sense or judgment and, and have penalties that are comparable to the crimes. What would you think would be a, an appropriate penalty if indeed one should be given? I agree with you. I I don't think he's done an awful lot wrong there. I do agree. I do take your point that you made, which was that it, it would be the thin end of the wedge and that you don't you can't have players doing this all the time. I think that a one-game ban would have, been, would have sufficed. Don't get me wrong. I'm not against players going into the crowd and starting windmilling. I mean, I'm all for it if it's... Uh... <laughs> It'd be fantastic to watch. What do you reckon, Scott, to to the ban? Well, I did talk about the ban, uh, the ban that um, Patrick got, didn't I? Which mm. is, he could have got worse. I'm just stupid. He just could have got, as Adam said, it could have been a one-game ban, a slap on the wrist. Does it make any difference? He was trying to protect a member of his family. Is that sort of got your thinking there, or not really? No, it's just it's. I think that's they're extenuating circumstances. But if he was trying to protect, if he was trying to protect anyone in the crowd who was being that, would that, would it matter if they were his family or not? No, no, I suppose not. Um, yeah, like I said in that, I mean, in the, in the our chat yesterday, if you go lightly on him, then you set a precedent of punishment for the next time something like this happens. But it's not about going like that's why I accept the idea that you can give him a one game ban to show that this is a thing that you punish people for. But is one game enough? I think one game is too many in that in regards that I don't think he's done an awful lot wrong. So it's a token gesture to show that you don't accept it's not acceptable behaviour. Mm. At the end of the day, he's gone into the crowd, yes, but it's not. He's not. I'm trying. He's not. It's not like he's a. He. he who's he? He hasn't endangered anyone. Any. He's put himself in more danger than anyone else is. Right. He could have inflamed the situation by his actions. Potentially. Well, he could have. But then, are we going? Would you? Are you? Are you going to give one game? Are you going to give four game bans to a player who runs around with his hands behind his ears to supporters on the pitch because he's and, and annoying them because that can inflame the situation. It could. 
It could. No, you're right. I mean, he's not leaving the field of play when he does that. No, well, that's that's punishable by a booking. So book him. <laughs> Maybe that's all should have happened to him. Eric Dyer should yeah. have just been booked. <laughs> I would kind of accept the booking. <laughs> I go back. I don't want a one-game ban. I want a booking. <laughs> a retrospective yellow card. Okay. Uh, you sent me a link about um, something which I have read twice and forgotten both times. Uh <laughs> So a lie. <laughs> okay, uh, FIFA are going to bring the Premier League into line with how it governs uh, VAR. Throughout I'm the not sure the this is just a Premier League story, but I think that's in our sort of not our, as in the collective, the three of us, but our, as in the uh, the football media. It's been they've taken a very English centric approach to it and how it's going to affect us. Mm. Which I suppose is fair enough, makes sense. But essentially, FIFA are try, uh, uh, had out had outsourced sort of the trials of VAR to independent competitions and FAs, and they've now said, "Right, that's great and all. We, we're happy with with everything you've learned. We're now going to centralise it, and there's going to be one approach." And I think that. All of us here, in some form or another, have watched, have and do watch other leagues around Europe. And I don't think that we, I'd have much dissent from the group if I said that the, we, the view is probably here that the Premier League does it worse than anywhere else. So this can only be a good thing, right? Yes, I agree with you. I think it's... Um... <clears throat> I think it's done far better on the continent. And I think the greater use of pitch side monitors uh, would help the VAR situation. I think the, the man in Stockley Park reviewing it and the sight of a referee like with his finger in his ear sort of shushing players around him so he can hear what someone's saying to him, it's not a very good look. Um, it just looks like complete inaction and inertia. Whereas him running over to the side, making a decision, it looks like, yeah, it looks like he's... Um, He's doing something proactive about the situation, I think. Uh, Scott, I, what do you reckon? I also think. I also think. Sorry, Scott, but I also think it cu- it cuts out the problem that I spoke about earlier about this idea where you have it lowering the standard of refereeing because you have referees either either too trigger happy because they know that if they get it wrong, VAR will overrule or vice versa, and then VAR not doing that because the 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 person at Stockley Park isn't a mind reader and can't sit there and say, I know exactly what they're thinking. I'm going to do this. So now you have the referees going and reviewing their own decisions on the monitor and are, are in a much clearer position to say, oh, I got that wrong. Or with this benefit of hindsight, I can now see from this angle that actually he did play the ball or, or, or all these sort of things. And you haven't got a guy in a room hundreds of miles away going, well, I'm, I'm assuming that he doesn't think he played the ball. So in this case, it has to be this. And so I can't do that. X, Y, and Z. I think that eliminates that problem immediately. Yeah. Scott, what do you reckon? I do think that uh, in the Premier League, they're, I don't know if they've been told not to go to the pit side monitor. I, don't, I think I've seen some games this season that with contentious VAR decisions, they do not go over there, but when other leagues, they've been told to go over there. 
So I watch a lot of Serie A. I know Chris does a little bit as well. And then you see they make the gesture with the, the sign and they go to the pitch side. And you can, they see see it clearly, even though they are told they're like with the finger to the ear on the microphone, going, probably being told, you should see this. What do you reckon? And they probably say, I'll check it out myself. And then they make a decision. Like I was watching the game Wednesday. I watched the Roma Palmer game. There was a couple of our decisions like that. They went to pit side monitor. The referee did make one absolute howler and not giving Palmer a second penalty where he went over to the to the screen and saw the replay three or four times and he it, they should have got a penalty for handball. But it does help if they go over there and have a look themselves and then to rely on people at Stockley Park giving them bad advice. Yeah. <clears throat> at, least in that, at least in that situation, Scott, you know who the person is who fucks up. So if I go back to my example of the the tackle on Richarlison in the Southampton game, which I think should have been a red card, considering Lee Mason had given a pen, given a free kick, so he's at that point decided that it's a foul, regardless of whether the player got the ball. I don't know. Well, I know that Lee Mason's fucked up. I also think some other guys fucked up, in my <laughs> opinion. At least in that situation, you've gone over to me. I can just go well. Lee Mason's the absolute useless twat in this scenario here. Made me feel a little bit better. One I think, person's blame. I think as well it gives the referee ownership of their decisions even more. I think at the moment they can sort of shrug their shoulders at the players and go, oh well, I'd love to be able to give you that penalty, but VAR told me not to. They're they're going to own their decisions if they have to go to a monitor and review what they've already given, I think. Yeah, and the one thing though that we have to remember isn't going to change, that the media in this country is part... is rallies against as part of the problem is this. we're still going to have the problem we have with offsides that's not going to go anywhere and we're still going to have the situation where the media reports things either being goal denied by VAR well no the goal wasn't denied by VAR the goal was denied because you were offside VAR is just the one that's made the correct decision in that regard and fixed that problem so part of that comes in the messaging but as someone who doesn't really enjoy the intricacies of having two lines drawn on the pitch and being measured how many millimetres apart they are. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know rules are rules, Scott. And I get you. But it's not what I came to football for. You're all about the elegance and the artistry. I'm not about the geometry. and the... <laughs> Fair enough. Football is an art form. Uh, right, okay, well, we're getting back to the Premier League. We've got five more games to review, So, or preview, sorry. Um, first of all is uh, Norwich versus West Ham. Norwich could be relegated if they lose, um, and consequently, if West Ham win, they could go six points clear as well. Um, let's, be honest, let's be honest, Norwich are already relegated. I've got it. When they lost the other day, Todd Campbell sat down on the floor as if they already had been, haven't they? I mean, that's not a very good look at all. Because uh, he, right, he knew the writing's pretty much on the wall. He's all right. He'll be at Spurs next season. Um, West Ham had 21 shots against Burnley in midweek um, where, zero goals sorry, where Mourinho if he's still at Spurs will probably ruin him yeah quite possibly um, yeah 21 shots and zero goals West Ham got against Burnley um, that is Burn, not... that's Burnley though right but as in Burnley's whole I'd, like, I'd, I'd be very interested to know sort of where those shots were from maybe what their their XG was because Burnley's whole defensive philosophy is about being compact and not giving away Solid chances. Uh, Burnley are more than willing to let 
teams come and ha- take pot shots from 25 yards at them all day long. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I understand. Um, <laughs> someone was saying earlier on this week that um, West Ham being linked with uh, and um, Jesse Lingard and Phil Jones is quite possibly the most West Ham thing ever as well. Um, yeah, yeah, so now, now Manchester United always needs a club to offload the, offload players to. Originally, they used to offload their players who were, who were good but not quite Manchester United standard. We used to take them, so we'd have Tim Howard and uh, Tom Cleverley, that Darren Gibson briefly. But then we managed to ship him off to the next destination, which was Sunderland, which is where the players who weren't good enough for for Everton or Manchester, or Manchester United went. And now they need a new place because Sunderland are in League One and they can't afford to buy. <laughs> they, can't, they can't afford sixteen million pounds. <laughs> Is there a common denominator between those three clubs? You tell me. As, as David Moyes. David Moyes. <laughs> right. I said that with my microphone muted as well. I was just like, David Moyes. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not going to be great, but I don't think. Norwich aren't going. I mean, people say Norwich are the best relegated club, but they just have this air of doom about them the whole time. It's like they, they play with a rain cloud above them. Don't people say, the caveat to that isn't don't people say they're the best team to finish they, the best team to finish last? Yeah, not the best relegated oh, sorry, yeah. club. Okay, best team to finish last. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not sure I agree with that because I I'm I'm not sure if I any point beyond the two and a half games at the beginning of the season when Pookie scored a couple goals that they've ever looked anything close to ever challenging to stay up. Yeah, Scott, their season peak when they beat Manchester City in August, didn't it? Was it September? No, September, they, they, no they later on came to Goodison Park and won there. Did they? They also beat, they also beat Bournemouth. Yeah, it's not Manchester yeah. City though, is it? Everton and Bournemouth aren't Manchester City. Hold on, yeah. Well, what, what, hold on, not just Everton and Bournemouth. I think there's very much three levels there, Scott. Like, <laughs> they'll be bunching Everton and Bournemouth together. Elite, <laughs> middle class, the uh, standard. Uh, okay. So, right. so you said it peaked in September. I think so. It's late, yeah. Okay. I don't think it would sort of, yeah, went too much beyond that. Uh, Watford versus Newcastle. Uh, I think it's says on Amazon Prime, isn't it? Um would a win make Watford safe? Potentially they could go six points from the drop as well. I think a, a win would put them very close to being safe, especially considering they've then got that game against West Ham we talked about. Yes. Um, but Newcastle are, uh, well, beyond getting absolutely battered by Man you can get goals in a Newcastle game, right? That's what you're guaranteed. They average 3.8 goals a game. Um, or a Newcastle, a Newcastle fixture post-lockdown will average 3.8 goals a game. Tune in. Yeah. Uh, Watford have got seven clean sheets at home this season. That's the third best behind Manchester City and Burnley. Um, How many of those have they had since sort of... Um, Mid-June. February. <laughs> yeah, not many. Well, the 3-0 against Liverpool, I suppose. That's the one that stands out. Uh, yeah, I mean, I suppose a lot of this depends on how Newcastle react to that 5-0 loss versus City because they're safe, they're not going up, they're not going down uh, or not going to Europe, they're not going down um, Depends whether they've got their beach towers out or not, doesn't it, this fixture? God, I accused Wolves of this and got, got acted like it was blasphemy I think Wolves have got more to play for than Newcastle. Yeah, Wolves have got like Europe 
and for any European competition to look forward to. Newcastle are 13th on 43 points. So the most, yeah. Just how high they finish up in the league is how much money they can get. Because that takeover is never going to happen, is it? And it's been dragging for about four months. Yeah. Yeah, I do think there is a very sizable group of teams where you wonder what's going to, what's there for them, right? So. Are Everton one of them? Nearly. Depends how much you care. I I imagine I'd be surprised how little players care about finishing in the top half or maybe finishing above Tottenham. Or well, Tottenham are in danger of being sucked into this middle group. I mean, they're only um... well, Tottenham or Tottenham or Arsenal, right? Because let's not pretend that they're that far apart. So a, a win for if Everton were to win at the weekend and whichever one of those teams loses the North London derby, they're then only a game. They're within a game of each other. So yeah. there's stuff to play for there. It's just how much do teams care? Arguably, if what? So if an English club wins the Europa League and Manchester City get banned from Europe, where could the places fall to? Eight? Anyway, we're talking about Watford and Newcastle. I'm just talking about where... where oh, sorry. Any of these teams... Like, uh, yes, eight could potentially get to Europe, couldn't it? But then, so would, you want to, would you want to get to Europe? That's maybe that is maybe just a step away from Newcastle, but they're not that far away from that. No, um, it's too much in four games. But I got a sneaky thing about Watford in this one. I don't want good things to happen to Watford, and I maintain that they're still quite rubbish. So. Um... I'm enjoying the Steve Bruce Renaissance, and I'm going to say that they are not going to be on the beach, and they are going to—they're going to win, and I'm going to make it my lock of the week. Oh, <laughs> is that a new thing? Is it? Is that a new feature of us? No, it's a Simpsons reference. <laughs> okay, uh, Scott. Uh, I'm going last time match of the day. Whatever. I'm going to. Are you okay? Yeah. Are you not going to make it your shoe in of the week? No. <laughs> Score draw. I think you'll be a score draw. I... The, the stats suggest that there's going to be a score draw, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 3.8 well, games. 3.8 goals in Newcastle games. Yeah. Uh, next one is Liverpool Burnley. Burnley looking for their fourth win in five. Um, and Liverpool, they're, sort of, they're still stuttering a bit, aren't they? Oh, no. Yeah, post-title blues. <laughs> They did okay against Brighton. They were gifted those two goals at the start, weren't they? But then they allowed Brighton to get back into it. Yeah, I think Brighton probably should have. Brighton should be very disappointed they didn't get a result out of that game. Yeah. Um. Uh, especially considering some of the br- br- chances that Brighton had that they didn't take. Um. Was it Lewis Dunk at the far post who could have had a tap in? Yeah. Um. And you've now lost a. Your your world class central midfield captain out until <laughs> maybe out maybe going to miss the beginning of next season. He doesn't need surgery, you... so he'll be back for that. He'll be back. What did you call him, Adam? A system player. System player. Yeah. Uh, I think those a who functional cog in the wheel. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> really? No, no. He's a very dependable, solid player. He's more than dependable. He's not world-class, but in no way is he a functional or dependable cog. Yeah. 
He is way more than that. Um, but he's even... replaceable, though, right? Everyone's replaceable. Are they? Yeah. So it's your front three replaceable. So we'll get we'll get we'll, we'll get Lovren in for Van Dyke. He's replaceable. Yeah. Almost everyone is replaceable. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Burnley won fourteen Premier League matches this season. That's their their joint most for the season. So I don't know. I I've, I'm in no way uh, relaxed about this fixture at all. You've won the league. Is this going to put a rotated squad out? I would quite like this. Hundred points block. It could I know, that we, I know mm. that we we talked about this with a little bit of um, menace to try and and maybe slightly wind up at the time. But when as Liverpool were getting knocked out of cup competitions left, right, and centre before lockdown, and I do appreciate that sort of. The, t- the goal was winning the Premier League, but considering how well everything started, I'm kind of with you, Var. But I think there's, there would be something to be said that if Liverpool do not have a points record or a hundred points, equal a points record, but maybe they kind of let this season fall away a little bit, and it could have been and should have been a lot more. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Do you see it as a failure if you don't reach 100 points? No, not at all. Definitely not a failure. Um, yeah, they don't, they don't take your name off the trophy because you haven't got 100 yeah. points. <laughs> so it's definitely not a failure. OK, right. Last two games. Sheffield United versus Chelsea. A win would take Chelsea four points clear of Leicester. Um, and Sheffield United looking for their third win in four, which surprises me because I thought that they were um, struggling a bit since lockdown. Chelsea are unbeaten in Yorkshire since 2002. Sorry, you cut out there, so I missed the start. Sorry, Chelsea are unbeaten in Yorkshire since 2002. Okay. Yeah, but Leeds have been relegated. Because <laughs> we know we're there from Yorkshire. <laughs> yes, 2004. Yeah, fair oh, enough. No. Oh no, all those wins against Huddersfield. <laughs> um... Yeah, these are two teams that are very much in four, uh, form. Sorry, um, Giroud scored four in six. I don't. I, I, I don't know what. I've, I I don't know what to say about this game. I got a sneaky feeling for Sheffield United. Have you? Yeah. You got a feeling in the water. Yeah. I think that a team like Sheffield United, having been a newly promoted team and considering the other, all the things that we spoke about just when talking about the Newcastle game, would have more about, would have more about them in terms of trying to push and hold on to this, whether that be, whether they think they could get sixth, seventh, because going from promotion to the Europa League would be a fantastic achievement for them. Yeah, I mean, it, it didn't do it didn't do Ipswich any favours. I was going to say that but, that was the exact yeah. same thing I was thinking. As they got relegated the following season after getting knocked out by Inter Milan in the UEFA Cup. Yeah, but that's when you start becoming a, when you're a team like Sheffield United. That's not what football is about, right? Football is about if you're if you're a Sheffield United fan, you'd wouldn't you rather have European away days and get relegated than? 
steadily finished tenth in the Premier League, like Burnley. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, and finally, it's Brighton versus Manchester City. Um, City have lost their last two away. Although Brighton against Manchester City in the Premier League, they played five, lost five, scored two, let in fifteen. So this I think... is this is my shoe of the week. <laughs> this is your shoe of the week. <laughs> yes. Ah. How brave of you to make Manchester <laughs> shoot in the week. That's I a left field pick. Li- <laughs> I was going to say Liverpool, but no. Um, can I just say about Sheffield United? Yeah. I did have a fear that with their start they made for the first half of the season, they would have been found out for the second half. It did happen for a couple of games. I think that did happen. Yeah. But I think since the restart, teams have just not really coped with them that well yeah and I think the win against Wolves was so crucial for them as well yeah they they have been in games that have had freak instances though they sort of red cards and and this sort of stuff so their their form could look a lot different since lockdown than it actually does yeah what about Brighton Man City then um, City scored just three in their last six away in the Premier League which surprised me I mean, what do Man City have to play? We're talking about teams that are on the could have a little not be on the beach. Man City can have themselves a nice little mini break right before they play Real Madrid because yeah, yeah, nine points clear of that nine points clear of Chelsea. They a point any any sort of point against um oh sorry a win against um Brighton will nearly all but guarantee them second place. I was um, going to say, they're only uh, nine points ahead of a rampant Chelsea at the moment. Although there's only four games left, I suppose. There's only four games left, yeah. yeah. <laughs> only nine points. Like, it's nothing <laughs> as well. Um, because in that regard, that might mean that Everton are in danger of relegation. <laughs> um, surely this is... Pep's remain, these remaining four games are just about getting through without any injuries and yeah. and picking up momentum for the Champions League just being making sure players are match sharp yeah yeah I'm just looking at their remaining fixtures so they got this game then they're home to Bournemouth away to Arsenal and then home to Watford who might still be needing points on the last day so god you'd hate for that wouldn't you sort of like against the Watford scrapping for their lives and you've got Kevin De Bruyne sort of getting injured in that game or something yeah you want to Wrap these players Short in bubble. Elbows. <laughs> yeah, you want to wrap these players in bubble wrap for the last four games, I suppose, don't you? Um, yeah. All of all of a sudden, there's academy players squatting <laughs> fifty sticks everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Zinchenko wears seventy-two, and he's a starter, isn't he? So that doesn't really make much difference, does it? All, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Noel Gallagher's getting a game on the right wing. <laughs> when do we see players wearing three-figure squad numbers? next season one day yeah what happens in Mexico doesn't it Mexico you can choose your number can't you they let you you go up to three three, there was I'm sure there was a player that did it that that shouldn't be just out of principle that shouldn't be allowed it annoys me that Trent Alexander-Arnold wears 66 66. I think now um, I think it also annoys me that Joe Rootner wears that it took me so long to work out that was fun (laughs) That it was an embarrassing amount of time for me to realise. But sure. why would you walk around with a pun on the back of your shirt? Because he's banter. <laughs> uh, I think now Nathaniel Klein is leaving Liverpool. I think you might see Joe Root um, 
Jeru. Sorry, Trent Alexander Arnold. Um, uh, turn, uh, get the number two. You might do, but yeah. As right back should get the number two spot. Yeah, exactly. Now you, yeah, now you seeing him leave, you might sort of so see that. So is that true in Mexico that you can get? I, I'm, I'm furiously googling, but I can't sort of see something. But I have seen something before. I'm sure where it's Mexico, where you can choose your uh, squad number, and it doesn't really matter. Because Antonio you Cassandra, can do that in you can't pick ah, any. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Okay, this is um, Liga MX players wears number three hundred and six. In the Liga MX match between Club Quetero and Lobos BUAP, sorry Jesse and Emma, uh, on Sunday, one of our followers wondered why a player was wearing a shirt with the number 306 on the back. Uh, and there, if you can see, can you see that? Oh, no. Uh, there is the proof. Oh. Uh, oh. Okay. Is that because he wanted number nine, but... <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't, but but thirty six and sixty three had already gone, so he wore three zero with a plus in the middle of it. So, <laughs> so he tried to do an Ivan Zamorano, which he did at Inter because he wanted the number nine and did a one plus eight. <laughs> Quite possibly. Okay, right. Um, that brings us to the end of friendly preview. Anyone got any other business before we round up? Um, can I? I wrote a blog. Um, I think most of us will probably be suffering with a bit of mental health problems during lockdown and isolation so last week i poured it out and wrote a blog about mental health and how to deal with it in isolation sent it to chris and got some good feedback with some other people as well it's on my twitter timeline if anyone takes wants to take a read of it i did um i did break down in tears after writing a bit of it so yeah it's got a bit emotional after writing it for a little bit no i've read it it's very powerful stuff very good stuff. Um, Adam, any other business? No. Cool. Right, okay. Um... Oh, I, I, now, I now have to read, go and read Scott's blog because I have not read it myself. But <laughs> that, that's more for after. But... Yeah, let's try to see you do a bit of Joe Root bants after that. <laughs> Uh, okay, so we are Man of the Post. We are part of uh, at Man of the Post Network. Um, so uh, we have podcasts coming out all the while. So Ali did a midweek podcast, uh, which you can catch on your podcast feeds, um, rounding up some of the sort of midweek games in the Premier League that happened there. Chris and David back on Sunday or Monday, uh, reviewing the games we previewed, uh, and Ali will be back again next week. Um, we are at Man of the Post on Twitter, on Instagram. You can like us on Facebook too. Uh, Scott, if they want to follow you, how do they do that? Uh, Scott underscore Monroe. Adam, if they want to follow you? Adam, I say 101. Super duper. What are you going to say? I was going to say, I don't want your pity follows. It's fine. <laughs> oh, a pity, pity follows are the best follows. <laughs> okay, right. Brilliant. Uh, like when Chris sends messages to... To Sid Lowe going, oh, please be my friend. Please, please <laughs> like me. <laughs> I got a rebuke. Oh, sorry, Filippo Clare, I don't want to offend you. <laughs> I got a rebuke off of Barry Glendenning this week. Did you? Yeah. Oh. I asked him what he spent his big money uh, winnings on, and he said, um, I would say the same to a policeman as I'm saying to you, it's none of your business. No, I asked, <laughs> him, I asked him which charity he was donating it to. Bit of Joe Root bants there from me. And... <laughs> He kicked that one well and truly into touch. <laughs> um, was, it, was it was it as Irish as expected with none of your effing business? No, no, no. He was very polite to me, but a, a definite go away there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, if you like me here, you can rate and review us on iTunes. You can follow us on Spotify, uh, Acast as well, and all your um, 
uh, all your subscriptions will fall automatically in your inbox from the future. So, Scott and Adam, thank you ever so much for uh, joining me. Pleasure. And always remember to keep your man on the post. <laughs>